today is the 23rd day of December. Welcome to the Daily Audio Bible. I am Brian. It is great to be here with you today around the global campfire as we gather and keep warm together. And I imagine that it's all decorated in here. It's beautiful. The beautiful oasis that we have here to take the next step forward together on this Christmas Eve Eve. I literally can't believe tomorrow's Christmas Eve. Can you? It's like here we are, but this is where we are, and we are here around the global campfire to take the next step forward, and so that's what we'll do. We are working our way through the book of Zechariah. Today, we will read Zechariah chapters 4 and 5. The messenger speaking with me returned and woke me like one who awakens someone who is asleep. Then he said to me, What do you see? I said, I see a lampstand made entirely of gold. It has a bowl on top. The bowl has seven lamps on top and seven metal pipes for those lamps. It has two olive trees beside the lampstand, one to the right of its bowl and one to the left. I responded to the messenger speaking with me, What are these, sir? The messenger responded to me, Don't you know what these are? I said, No, sir, I don't. He answered me, This is the Lord's word to Zerubbabel. Neither by power, nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heavenly forces. Who are you, great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you will become a plain. He will present the capstone to shouts of great gratitude. The Lord's word came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel laid the foundation of this house, and his hands will finish it, so that you will know that the Lord of heavenly forces has sent me to you. Those who despise a time of little things will rejoice when they see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. These are the seven eyes of the Lord surveying the entire earth. I responded to him, What are these two olive trees in the right and left sides of the lampstand? Then I responded a second time. What are these two olive branches that empty out golden oil through the two gold pipes? He said to me, Don't you know what these are? I said, No, sir. He said, These are the two anointed ones standing beside the Lord of all the earth. I looked up again and saw a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, I see a flying scroll, 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. He said to me, this is the curse going out across all the land. Anyone stealing will be purged according to what's on one side of the scroll. And anyone swearing lies will be purged according to what's on the other side. I sent it out, says the Lord of heavenly forces. It will come to the house of the thief 
and the one swearing lies in my name. It will lodge in their house and destroy the wood and stones of that house. Then the messenger speaking with me came forward and said, Look up and see what's approaching. I said, What's this? He said, This is the basket that is going out. This is how it appears throughout the entire land. Then a lead cover was lifted, showing a woman sitting in the middle of the basket. He said, This is wickedness. He shoved her back into the basket, and he put the lead stone over its opening. I looked up again and saw two women going out. There was a wind in their wings. Their wings were like the wings of a stork. They carried the basket between the earth and the sky. I said to the messenger speaking with me, Where are they taking the basket? He said to me, To build a house for it in the land of Shinar. It will be firmly placed there on its base. Revelation 14 Then I looked, and there was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion. With him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. I heard a sound from heaven that was like the sound of rushing water and loud thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps. They sing a new song in front of the throne, the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn the song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. They weren't defiled with women, for these people who follow the Lamb wherever he goes are virgins. They were purchased from among humankind as early produce for God and the Lamb. No lie came from their mouths. They are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying high overhead with eternal good news to proclaim to those who live on earth and to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give Him glory. For the hour of his judgment has come. Worship the one who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Another angel, a second one, followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She made all the nations drink the wine of her lustful passion. Then another angel, a third one, followed them and said in a loud voice, If any worship the beast and its image and receive a mark on their foreheads or their hands, they themselves will also drink the wine of God's passionate anger, poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will suffer the pain of fire and sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke of their painful suffering goes up forever and always. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and its image and those who receive the mark of its name. 
This calls for the endurance of the saints who keep God's commandments and keep faith with Jesus. And I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this. Favored are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, so they can rest from their labors because their deeds follow them. Then I looked and there was a white cloud. On the cloud was seated someone who looked like the human one. He had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Another angel came out of the temple, calling in a loud voice to the one seated on the cloud, Use your sickle to reap the harvest, for the time to harvest has come and the harvest of the earth is ripe. So the one seated on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was harvested. Then another angel came out of the temple in heaven, and he also had a sharp sickle. Still another angel, who has power over fire, came out from the altar. He said in a loud voice to the one who had the sharp sickle, Use your sharp sickle to cut the clusters in the vineyard of the earth because its grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle into the earth and cut the vineyard of the earth, and he put what he reaped into the great winepress of God's passionate anger. And the winepress was trampled outside the city, and the blood came out of the winepress as high as the horse's bridles for almost 200 miles. Psalm 142 A Maskell of David when he was in the cave A Prayer I cry out loud for help from the Lord I beg out loud for mercy from the Lord I pour out my concerns before God I announce my distress to Him When my spirit is weak inside me, you still know my way. But they've hidden a trap for me in the path I'm taking. Look right beside me, see? No one pays attention to me. There's no escape for me. No one cares about my life. I cry to you, Lord, for help. You are my refuge, I say. You are all I have in the land of the living. Pay close attention to my shouting, because I've been brought down so low. Deliver me from my oppressors, because they're stronger than me. Get me out of this prison, so I can give thanks to your name. Then the righteous will gather all around me, because of your good deeds to me. Proverbs 30, 21 through 23. At three things the earth trembles. At four, it can't bear up. At a servant when he becomes king. And fools when they are full of food. At a detested woman when she gets married and a female servant when she replaces her mistress. 
Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for bringing us this far. Christmas Eve, Eve. The world is sitting up and taking notice now as we move through this part of the year, and this is the one time of the year when focus can certainly be on materialism, but the story is your story, and it is a love story and a story of rescue, the story of your advent, the story of your arrival, and it is so easy for us to know that but be focused on everything but that and now as we're right in the thick of it we're swirling around and we're all gonna go through Christmas and it's gonna be awesome and beautiful provided that we don't lose track of what's going on here and fall into any number of ancient patterns that are a part of a life that is no longer who we are. And we are at this point in the year and we look back to when we began this journey almost a year ago now. And we acknowledge you have done much in our hearts. We are not the same people that we were. We know full well that in our own strength we will fail. And so Holy Spirit, come As we move through this next couple of days, we need your guidance, but we also need to be very aware of your presence. We are celebrating you. And the only way that we will be able to navigate properly is what we learned in Zechariah. Neither by power nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heavenly forces and spirits. Lead us. We declare along with what we read in Psalms today, along with the psalmist, we cry to you, Lord, for help. You are our refuge, we say. You are all we have in the land of the living. Our ultimate and only hope is in you, and we celebrate your arrival for us, which means we have you which means we have hope and we rejoice in that and ask that you lead us and may that hope spill out of us and overflow onto everyone that we interact with over these next few days that we might be your hands and feet that we might be your ambassadors that we may represent you well and that you may be proud we pray this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. DailyAudioBible.com is home base. It is the website. It is where you find out what's happening and it's Christmas Eve Eve and so we're like we're like locked and loaded. It's it's upon us and we are rejoicing and celebrating in all of the festivities and may we enjoy peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And I have enjoyed and am enjoying this season here around the global campfire. I loved our Christmas party very, very much. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that yet and you want your spirits lifted, just dive into that for a little while. It'll warm your soul. 
Uh, also for Christmas, I've been mentioning the different uh, Christmas projects that have come from around the global campfire. Christmas Time uh, by Maxwell Hardin. Family Christmas. You can find that by looking for my name, Brian Hardin. And then you can uh, search Jill Parr, my wife. And she has Christmas songs available in her catalog as well. And so you can insert any anything that you like, any any of it. Put it in your playlists for Christmas. Incorporate the global campfire into your celebration. And then, of course, if you want to partner with the Daily Audio Bible, if life and good news and hope has come from the scriptures from the community around the global campfire if that has been life-giving then thank you for your partnership there is a link on the homepage at dailyaudiobible.com if you're using the app you can press the give button in the upper right hand corner or the mailing address is P.O. Box 1996 Spring Hill, Tennessee 37174 And as always, if you have a prayer request or encouragement, you can hit the hotline button in the app or you can dial 877-942-4253. And that's it for today. I'm Brian. I love you. And I'll be waiting for you here. Tomorrow. James, the teacher, this prayer is for you, Lord Jesus. Come to James. Come, Lord. He needs to know that you have the desire to be in conversation with him and to lead and guide him. And most of all, just to be intimate together, that you love him so dearly. He's not the first person, man. There's people throughout the whole Bible, right, that have had this struggle. So, Lord, immerse him in the scriptures that Brian's reading and give him that that belief and understanding that you will seek the Lord and find him when you seek him with all your heart. Don't give up. Thank you, Lord, for James. Thanks for all the times you've come through and that you have his back right now. Thank you, Lord. This is Candace from Oregon. I pray everybody has a very Merry Christmas. I pray the ones that are traveling to your family's houses or friends' houses for Christmas that you have safe travels. I pray the U.S. service members of your families makes it home. Christmas. I come from a military family and have a lot of family members still in the military, Air Force, Army, and Marines. I'd like to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. I pray you have a good Christmas. Phyllis from San Jose, California. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey Dabbers, this is Slave of Jesus in North Carolina. All right, Holy Spirit, let's roll. Uh, people on waters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there are many times, I, I've had some great things from God of, hey, do this. And when I finally got around to doing them, they have been amazing. 
what I'm supposed to be doing right now is full-time charity work for financial, and I am not doing it, uh, to help military families with uh, financial freedom. But that's a long story why I'm not doing that. So I'm sure God will have me walking around the mountain for as many years as it takes, and I'll come back to this eventually. Uh, but don't, don't feel bad. You know, sometimes uh, God's message to me is just be still. And you're kind of getting roots. You know, you're doing this stuff with the other, so that when you, you got this big thing that God wants you to do, you have a way to fight all those enemy wins that's going to come along. Because uh, they will. When God t- finally tells you to do something and you know it, uh, the enemy will come and try to steal that, rob, steal that from you. Speaking about uh, stealing, I got a victory. So in 2008, you guys know about this. I was debt free when I got married in 2000. By 2008, I had run my family up into hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, non-mortgage, not mortgage, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And as of today, those 14 accounts that had balances on them are now zero. And that includes, all I have left is a mortgage, which will hopefully be paid off in five years. But what I did is I went out and got a scripture weapon. Just as the rich rule the poor, the borrower is servant to the lender. Every time I was tempted to borrow more money, I said it out loud. Every time I got the balance transfer thing in the mail, shredded it and said it out loud. And then I started changing the way. Hey, Dab family, it's Shannon from Salem, Oregon, calling to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for 2022. Thank you for every blessing, every encouragement, every smile, every gift, every kindness that we saw from you. Lord, thank you also for the trials, for the hard things, because in those and through those, you are growing us and helping us, you're refining us, you're purifying us. And so we bless you for all of it. And we we thank you for life. We thank you that you've blessed us beyond what we can even think of. Lord, as we enter a new year, I pray that we would end this one well, that we would reflect with you what we did well, where we want to grow, and help us to enter 2023 with purpose, with conviction, with power from your Holy Spirit to go and make disciples and help people know you and teach the Word of God. And we ask for your blessing over our families, over our friends, our customers, all of the circles of influence that you've given each one of us. Empower us, Lord, to be your light and be your salt and share your love and share your gospel. Thank you for the Hardin family and all of the DAB team. Please bless them and give them great joy. We thank you and bless you in Jesus' name, amen. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord, that you are an ever-present help in times of trouble. Lord, I just want to lift up all our brothers and sisters who are alone today, but we know that we're never alone, that you're always with us, Lord. Even though we know that, Lord, in our hearts, it can be hard to be by ourselves or feel alone, especially during this time of year. 
So I just pray, Father God, that you would just fill up the hearts of those who may be physically by themselves today and that they would know that you are with them and that they would just feel a overabundance of joy in their lives and that they would just have a blessed day and just a wonderful Christmas time, Lord. Just better than ever before. Just let them know, Lord, your presence in a greater way than they've ever known it before, Lord. I thank you that we have you, Lord. What would we do without you? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, for us. Thank you. Amen. Okay, so, so in the book of Revelation, we should be noticing by now that there are things that are happening in the earthly realm and there are things that are happening happening in the heavenly realm and the book of revelation uh is showing us both so you can see a series of things happening on the earth and then we will have a pause and then we'll we'll see what's happening in heaven probably simultaneously and so we're moving between these realms while also looking at you know what is literal and what is allegorical what is symbolic and what is not and discovering how the tensions around this book arise from the different ways of reading this book so as we read from the 14th chapter of revelation today we can kind of see things happening in both the earthly realm and the heavenly realm pretty clearly the lamb so jesus standing on mount zion so this is the earthly realm unless there's a, another mount zion in that uh, spiritual realm or unless this is a symbol itself. The Lamb is standing on Mount Zion. It's 144,000 people uh, with him that have been sealed with the name of God on their foreheads. But then John says he hears a sound from heaven. So we're kind of like in both places. And this sound is like raging water and it's super loud like thunder. And it turns out it's music coming from heaven. There's a new song being sung, a new one in front of the throne of God. And only the 144,000 people who are with the Lamb uh, at Mount Zion are able to learn this heavenly song. And this 144,000 people are pure like virgins and they follow the Lamb wherever he goes and they were bought from among humanity as uh, the first fruits offered to God. So immediately we, we see the contrast between the beasts that we saw yesterday and what we're looking at now. So we're seeing a very, very clear delineation between the forces of darkness who are trying to claim sovereignty and and make it look like they are supreme and God, who is sovereign and who is supreme and doesn't need to make it look that way. It just is that way. So we're seeing... clear delineation between the two sides here there are scholars who think that this picture is a heavenly picture because the lamb referred to in the book of revelation is only ever spoken of as being in heaven 
while others would say, no, this is this is for real. This is really, really going down and it's happening on Earth at Mount Zion. The Messiah has come. He will defeat the foe. This is the end of time. This is the final consummation. While still other scholars would say, no, not quite that. Um, this Mount Zion that's being referred to here is a reference to this new Jerusalem. And so it will all come down out of heaven and become a part of the new creation as this old one is passing away. The 144,000 people, this isn't the first time we've seen the 144,000 people. And so we've already spent some time talking about whether we should look at this literally or allegorically. If we're we're looking at it literally, then it's 144,000 people with the lamb on Mount Zion on planet Earth. If we're looking at it allegorically, then this 144,000 is a number that represents completeness. This is the complete family of God who are being born into the new creation. They have stayed true. They have kept their light burning. They haven't fallen into idolatry. They haven't compromised. They have been pure. They have been like, they've been virginal, which probably doesn't refer to human sexuality, but more of the purity of their heart to God, their faithfulness to God throughout anything that comes their way. A picture here is of a people who follow the lamb wherever he goes. And we know that Jesus went to the cross. So these people are so in love with Jesus, so passionate for him and pure in their motivations toward him, that like him, they're not holding on to their life. Their human life isn't the end of anything and they know it. So they will follow Jesus wherever he goes. And then the book of Revelation begins to turn us toward imagery of a final harvest. We have harvest imagery An angel uh, flies overhead, speaking the good news to every nation, tribe, language, and people. And the angel's uh, telling the earth, fear God, give him glory, the time has come. So in other words, this is about to happen. This is the final harvest and judgment. And so the call goes out to worship the one who made heaven and earth. Then another angel, a second one, comes and declares that Babylon has fallen. So if Babylon the Great has fallen is a literal thing, then that happened. Uh, it just happened to ha- happen more than five centuries before Jesus was born. If Babylon is a metaphor, which it has been used in other Old Testament prophecies, then Babylon was an ancient world empire that led the children of Israel into captivity. In John's time, when the book of Revelation was written, this would correspond to the Roman Empire. Babylon attacked Jerusalem and destroyed the first temple and led God's people into exile. Uh, The Roman Empire destroyed the second temple and all of Jerusalem, forcing them into exile. And so the two have been linked for centuries. So symbolically, Babylon is any ungodly system on earth that dominates the social and economic and political systems that control people and move them toward idolatry. And of course, idolatry is a big deal in the whole Bible, including the book of Revelation. And it doesn't just mean bowing down in front of an idol or a false god. Rather, it represents anything that we are willing to give our hearts to in hopes of life in return. 
So this second angel is declaring that that is over. There will be no more deceptions. This is the actual end of all of that. And then there is a third angel uh, who also has a message that's spoken in a loud voice. Whoever worships the beast or its statue, whoever is branded on his forehead or his hand, will drink the wine of God's fury which has been poured unmixed into the cup of God's anger. Then he will be tortured by fiery sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb. The smoke from their torture will go up forever and ever. There will be no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast or its statue or for anyone branded with its name. So here is where we begin to step into some theological quicksand. Because uh, what exactly eternal punishment is going to look like has been up for debate for a long time. And the debate rages on. And it gets very contentious. But entire theological understandings and worldviews and dogmas uh, come out of uh, passages like this. So what I'm doing here in taking us through the book of Revelation this year like this isn't intended to tell you, here's the right way, here's what you should believe. That would be me trying to interpret this for you so that you then don't have to think about it. What I try to do when we get to hotly debated portions of scripture is to approach it from a scholarly perspective with the intention of trying to get behind everything that we've heard and find out where it came from, how these conclusions were arrived at. So we've got this third angel basically with this last and final warning declaring that anyone who has aligned themselves with this world system or figuratively those who who are worshipping the beast and the serpent who gave the beast its power will find themselves in torment. So let's look at what I think are the two major schools of thought regarding this torment from which all of the debate arises. On the one hand, you have those who would say, okay, human beings can only live so long. Like they, they don't live forever in their physicality, in their human body. That's maybe, you know, 100 years or less. So if this punishment is actually eternal, then it's probably not in the human body, which pulls us immediately into the spiritual realm, which also naturally pulls us towards symbolic understanding. So looking at it that way, uh, the torment is a spiritual thing, a psychological suffering. And according to the book of Revelation, this is going to happen in front of Jesus and the holy angels. So yes, then, those who have thrown in their lot with the beast, right? Those who have put their faith in a world system that is demanding worship will certainly experience a great amount of torment as they have to stand before the Lamb and his holy angels and acknowledge him, even as they realize that they will be separated from him. And in this way of thinking, the fire that we're talking about here is a figurative thing. Because throughout the book of Revelation and throughout the Bible, it's fire is a a figurative term for, for judgment and suffering, especially the suffering that results from judgment. And part of the reason that there is even this line of thought is because of the fact that this passage seems to be taken from Isaiah, 
from the 34th chapter of Isaiah, in which God is describing judgment that he is going to place on Edom. And he says, her valleys will be turned into pitch and her land into brimstone and her land will be as pitch burning night and day and it will never be quenched and her smoke will go up. It will be made desolate throughout her generations. So in this case, the readers of the time uh, and everyone since wouldn't say, okay, this was a judgment on the land of Edom and Wow, it came true because Edom is still smoldering. And it's kind of one of the wonders of the world. People go there to see the smoldering of Edom because it will go on forever. The point was that uh, Edom would never rise again. And so this is where the idea of annihilation comes from. Because this passage is based on the passage in Isaiah, and Isaiah is uh, speaking of the historical annihilation of Edom, because of its sin and because he used figurative language of smoldering or burning going on forever because it's agreed upon that this is figurative then the absolute and complete destruction of Edom parallels the absolute and complete destruction of these people that stand before the Lamb for their judgment and following this line of thought then they simply cease to exist at all now, the other line of thinking is very different. For the most part, scholars agree that what I just, the, the whole line of thinking that I just told you is a possibility. But later in Revelation, the devil, the beast, and the false prophet are judged, and they are banished to the lake of fire and brimstone, where they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And we haven't gotten to that in the book of Revelation yet, but we will. But it comes into play here because it doesn't seem to be indicating that they would just cease to exist at their judgment, that they would be annihilated. It seems to be that they will be tormented day and night forever. And because there are so many parallels between the path of good and the path of evil in the book of Revelation, it is argued that God's people ultimately will receive eternal rest and shalom, while those who are not God's people will at the same time be receiving eternal damnation. And that is because this word torment that's used in Revelation, or for that matter in the Bible, doesn't seem to indicate a person's ceasing to exist. So many scholars have argued that God's punishment involves real, ongoing, forever, eternal, conscious torment. Uh, while acknowledging that where the lake of fire is or when the lake of fire is, is, is unknown. So following that line of thinking then, the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, which isn't just a, a picture of a past judgment or a present judgment, but of an ongoing one. The smoke of torment isn't the smoke of, uh, of complete destruction, it's the smoke of their torment contrasted uh, with the welcoming rest that God's people receive. So those in torment would see annihilation as a relief, but they get no rest. So from there, from the, these kinds of lines of thinking, begin to branch out and be reinforced with all, all kinds of things. And so there are many ways of, of looking at it from, from through different lenses. 
the book of Revelation uh, gets it right as it comments on that scene. In this situation, God's holy people who obey his commands and keep their faith in Jesus need endurance, which would seem to be a superior stance to theological warfare against each other. So after that, there's a white cloud and someone who looks like the Son of Man sat on the cloud. He's got a crown on his head, sharp sickle in his hand, and an angel comes out of the temple. So out of the temple of God, we're talking spiritually here before the throne of God. And he cries out to swing the sickle and gather the harvest. The time has come. This is the end. The harvest is overripe. So the Son of Man does this. And we can assume this is Jesus, although there are scholars who argue very persuasively that this is an angel. But nevertheless, the harvest was completed. Then another angel comes out and he's got a sharp sickle and there's like one more pass. Some scholars would argue persuasively that this is a last ingathering on the earth of those who will belong to God. While others would argue very persuasively that this in higher scene where the cloud and the son of man and the angels and the harvest and the sickles this is all a picture of a final judgment on earth and that's where we end today and this is where it's important for us to zoom out a little bit and remember that what we're talking about here is the absolute and utter overthrow of evil which results in all things being made new. And it happens when God ordains it. And however this judgment that we read about today happens, whatever it ends up looking like, it descends upon those who have had every opportunity to avoid it. So rather than zooming in on people, we need to zoom out and see that this is the overthrow of evil. Period. Final. And complete. This is not meant for those who have the seal of God on their forehead, right? So this is not meant for those who have stayed true, no matter what. And what would an existence without the existence of evil even be like? Well, we're going to find out. We're going to find out in the book of Revelation and we're going to find out for ourselves one day. So Father, we thank you for this glimpse. It's, uh, it, it's definitely a situation where we are seeing through a glass darkly, but one thing that is very clear to us is that you are good. You are holy. You are righteous. And evil has no place with you nor does it ultimately have any place with us. So come, Holy Spirit. We look forward to the day that all things are made new, and we intend to keep the fire burning. We love you, Lord. So continue to plant your word into our lives, transforming us into your image. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs>